It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from scottartist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 143 of Curse of the Black Pearl. You're welcome. It's our last freaking minute. We can't just start off with the introduction. We gotta go out with... Captain Blood or something like that. Some kind of song. So I'll just say it right now. Captain Blood. Let's sing it, man. Many years have passed now since Gil McGee was killed. Captain Blood took over the ship, seeking adventure and thrills. The curse has taken them to their graves, but they cannot die. No sleep is their punishment till the end of time. When the ship sails on, back into beyond, over again. When I sing my song, this is my home. Until the end, centuries across the sea. Well, it's not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally. When the life of piracy, hail the curse of Gil Maggie and hail Captain Blood. Well, I kind of got that sadness out of my system last week, and because I just listened to Captain Blood. Always gives me a little lift in the heart. (laughs) Because it felt like the end when we reached our last episode before we hit the credits. It really did. It did. Now I think I'm ready to say what a great experience this has been, and what about you? Yeah, it has been, actually. So what's next? We've been asking ourselves that question, and hopefully you have also been asking that as well. We knew we would be coming back to tackle Dead Man's Chest, but we were always curious about what an expanded show might look like. Something where we can shake off those minute constraints and have in-depth discussions about, well, all things Pirates of the Caribbean, including expanded universe stuff, and bring in more real pirate history and all that bloody fun. Captain bloody fun. (laughs) So that's exactly what we're going to do, kind of experimental-wise. So that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to experiment with it. Yes. Minute one of Dead Man's Chest debuts on November 6th. Although we do call pirate in case something happens. But November 6th is what we have on our schedule. Yes. And we will continue one blimey minute at a time through all 150 episodes. Yes, 150 episodes of Dead Man's Pirate Action. November 6th seems so far away at this point. It seems far away, but it'll be here in a blink of an eye for us. And we just may have a slightly new episode intro to get us into the Dead Man's Chest mood and on point with the film, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Something a little new and trendy and Dead Man-y. You're not very trendy. I know. So it'll be like 18th century trendy. (laughs) But anyways, it'll be on trend with 18th century stuff. And like I said, it'll kind of get you in that mood for Dead Man's Chest. That's kind of the plan. But we'll see how it evolves when I actually start really working on it and finalizing it. We will be posting a few Season 2 video trailers on our website and then on social media as a lead-up to November 6th as well, so you can look for that. 
some reminders that we will be coming back with Dead Man's Chest one minute at a time and a daily blimey episode, minute at one a blimey time. minute at a time. However, it won't be a ghost ship on our feed from August to November as we will be returning with the expanded show that I just talked about. It's an experiment, so we will be testing out a weekly or maybe a bi-weekly schedule on a variety of topics. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast and you won't miss anything. And I think we just might kick things off with a trip back to Tortuga and answering some of those lingering questions about the Jolly Mon. That's maybe a teaser of the first expanded show. Oh, wow. Exactly. You can't miss that. You got to find out what the hell happened with the Jolly exactly. Mon. Exactly. That so, sinking ship in the beginning exactly. of the movie. Exactly. You call that a ship? You call the Dauntless a boat. <laughs> you call the Interceptor a boat. You call the Black Pearl a boat. But then you call the Jolly Mon a ship. Yeah. You got your priorities messed up. <laughs> but look for that in your feed in early September. Well, maybe let's say the first week of September, somewhere around there, as I don't really have a firm date for that yet. So just keep an eye out. It'll pop up. And we may even have an addition to the title and cover art. I'm still playing with the branding on that and deciding if that's a go. So we may do that as well. Okay. We'll give you a heads up. Well, you'll get a heads up when you see it appear all of a sudden. So there you go. Heads yes. up. So that's what we have on the horizon. General weekly or biweekly episodes starting in September and then daily episodes starting in November, November 6th to be precise. With the minute format, the other ones, the weekly or bi-weekly ones, will be general Pirates of the Caribbean talk, incorporating pirate stuff and real pirate history and all kinds of other things. Yeah. Anything else to add to that? I don't think so. We'll keep everybody posted yeah. on social media and on our website. Yeah. And like I said, there'll be things that pop up in the feed, but we will... Be taking definitely August off to yeah. relax and hang out and just catch up. Enjoy and... the rest of the summer. Exactly. And that's actually why we're coming back on November 6th. We were debating to have a longer hiatus, but still with some of those weekly, bi-weekly episodes. But we really wanted to shift the season for season two so it didn't end so late in the summer that we could end it earlier on. Yeah. And then be able to have, or at least not be able to be constrained by summer and that we because we just sit here waiting for each episode to post. Yes. And so it just really messes up our summer. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure that we didn't have that. And we didn't have to worry about it. And then we can uh, be feel free to do whatever pirate action we need just, to do without having to worry about entertaining the crew. Well, yeah, the crew meaning uh, Froggy and Banjo. Oh, I thought the crew meant the listeners. See, oh. that's where our priorities are different. <laughs> I am all for the listeners. You're not for them. With the longer days, it's harder with Froggy and Banjo because they like being out in the sun. Exactly. And we typically record at night. And then that means we're doing it when it's starting. Even at 8 o'clock or 8.30, it's still light out. It's hard to keep them settled down oh, in yeah. the studio because they're like, why the hell are we in the studio? Yeah. We should be outside playing. So that's all the announcements. I'd say we get on rolling since you didn't have anything else Besides your just little commentary there to add. Yeah. In the previous minute, we solved the curious case of the Pirate's Muskie, indulge in a little spectacular fantasy boat action while on ecstasy, tip our hats to those unnatural fog-producing boats, give a flip of the tail to Island of the Sharks, and of course, salute the one and only Captain Elvis. Unfortunately, it's now or never. We can't stall the coming of the final minute. Otherwise, we wouldn't get back in the ghetto of Isla de Muerta with our end credit scene in a movie that will be always on my mind. Okay. Always on my mind. No more Elvis references, Scott. There we go. Because (laughs) you started to sing, I definitely had to say, we can't do any more Elvis references. Because Heather will start singing, and then we'll all be in danger. Be like we're in the hammerhead shark craziness on Island of the Sharks. 
And that's not good for anybody. No, not at all. Minute 143 begins with copyright Disney Enterprises, Inc. and Jerry Bruckheimer, Inc. Followed by this picture was created by First Mate Productions, Inc. For purposes of copyright law in the United Kingdom. Distribution by Buena Vista Pictures, which holds at center screen for a good four seconds. The minute ends with Jerry Bruckheimer Films Street, Tree, and Lightning animated logo, which fades to Walt Disney Pictures and their animated logo. Ah, those credit minutes are just so... Exciting? Exciting. Although that's not exciting, we can thank the Aztec gods, those heathen Aztec gods. We at least have a post-credit scene to end on. Exactly. Although it didn't fall within my parameters for the breakdown because I do the first 10 seconds and then I do the last 10 seconds. Yeah. And then we have the middle to discuss kind of deal. That fell in the middle. So that's why you didn't see it highlighted there. Okay. I was wondering where it went. It's in the middle. It's still there. But yeah, we can thank the Aztec gods that we have this post-credit scene to end on. Because nothing makes me smile more in the podcast than trudging through the credits thinking all is said and done. And then BAM! A cursed monkey named Jack makes a reappearance. (laughs) Now that's awesome. (laughs) That schmarmy, conniving little monkey brought a smile to my face and that's pretty strange. Post-credit scenes are a thing now, but that wasn't always the case. And I'm waiting for something to happen like an encore thing happening with films. Not just a minute or two clip that we get now. But something like 10 minutes after the credits. You think? Where 90% of the audience leaves and they find out, wow, 10 minutes of crucial plot stuff happens after the credits. That'd be awesome. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, look at those losers leaving. There's 10 more (laughs) minutes that that answer all those questions that they left hanging. Well, some of the Marvel ones and stuff, they go... Not that long. Not that long. They got They're not even that long. Maybe, okay, maybe a couple minutes. Yeah. But not... Even Dead Men Tell No Tales was probably, I didn't do the breakdown of how many minutes that was, but that was minute and a half, two minutes, right? Yeah. Minute, two minutes? Yeah, something like that. Marvel doesn't go on too long either, but that's what I'm saying. I'd like to see a 10 minute thing. Something that really answers something specific that they left hanging that you're like thinking, I wonder if they're going to have a sequel and tackle that. No, it just was in the end credits and you missed it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But the first post credit scene was in the 1903 silent film, The Great Train Robbery. The movie ends with the leader of the outlaw band taking aim and firing point blank at the audience after he was already killed in the previous scene. Oh, really? The Great Train Robbery, 1903. One of the earliest appearances of a post-credit scene in a modern mainstream film was in the Muppet movie in 1979. And use of such scenes gained popularity throughout the 80s at the end of comedy films. In 1980, you had Airplane and ended with a callback to an abandoned taxicab passenger who was not really a primary character at all and had not been shown since the film's first scene. Of course, we also can't forget post-credit scenes in Mystery Science Theater 3000. They always had those too. The television show. Heather's probably not really sure about that. Yeah, I don't know. In a piece by The Hollywood Reporter, they say we can thank Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl for the post-credit scene craze and resurgence in 2003. Oh, okay. Five years before Iron Man's Nick Fury stepped out of the shadows to invite Tony Stark into the Avengers initiative, there was Pirates of the Caribbean, the Curse of the Black Pearl. In 2003, even the shortest scene being hidden after all of a movie's end credits wasn't terribly common. And they said some prior examples are comedies with a handful of outtakes or other jokes throughout the end credits, priming the audience to expect something after the final credit is shown. Like those I mentioned, and also comedy bits like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he's saying, what are you still doing here? I think that's what it is. And why are you still here? Heather doesn't remember. I don't remember that Why? What is wrong with your memory over there? Do we need to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Maybe it's been a long time. Okay, maybe we'll have to watch it again. There you go. And... We have to give a shout out to 
Harry Potter Minute because they've always talked about Pirates of the Caribbean on the show. But they, during their hiatus, are doing Ferris Bueller's Day Off Minute. Oh, really? So if you were to listen and then you get to the end, you'll hear them talk about that. So Ferris Bueller's Day Off Minute. There you go. What do I have to say about that? I don't know. But it was in there. He's like, why are you guys still here? I think it was Ferris talking, breaking the fourth wall kind of thing that he does in that movie. In our final moments here, we get Jack the monkey swimming back into the cave, past the floating apple and Barbosa's lifeless body to take a coin from the chest, becoming a cursed little monkey again. He likes being the cursed monkey. God, that guy does like being a cursed little monkey. Yeah, he is just a shameful, shameful, evil little monkey. (laughs) And I like animals. And so I'm ashamed that I have to actually say that. What's with Jack the Monkey, though? Does the curse affect monkeys more than it does people with consumed by greed idea? Does it linger in their DNA? Does it integrate into their DNA? That Maybe. I like being a cursed monkey. I like. <laughs> I like cursed monkeys and I cannot lie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, here's a wild idea. Oh, what, what if Jack the Monkey has been around since the Aztecs and Cortez? Ooh. What if the monkey was part of the original Cursed Crew and has managed to stay alive for hundreds of years? Oh, that's an idea. It's possible, right? Right. So I did want to check in some Pirates Wikia just on Jack the Monkey, and so maybe this will help. But it said Jack the Monkey, or simply Jack, was the second pet monkey owned by black-hearted Captain Hector Barbosa. mockingly black-hearted? I'm just reading what this said. I yeah, know. so black-hearted he was. You don't think that he was Not totally. in the Curse of the Black Pearl? He was really that epitome of an evil villain. Yeah. In this movie, yeah, he was. He dropped Bootstrap down into the depths. You don't think yep, that's black-hearted? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mockingly named after Captain Jack Sparrow, this capuchin monkey was considered the meanest, most rotten-tempered simian in all the Caribbean. Mm. It's quite the title. Yes. He's the meanest, most rotten, tempered simian in all the Caribbean. We might just have a title there for our show. <laughs> Jack the monkey first joined his owner in a search to find the cursed treasure of Cortez, which Jack lived, and this is the monkey, under throughout his life as an undead monkey. So there you go. But it's possible because it doesn't say anything. It just says he joined that. Right. But is it possible that the monkey had been around since Cortez and that's why he went back to the island at the end here? That's why he joined Barbosa. Mm. that's why he went back to get that coin. This monkey is like the oldest monkey that's ever lived. It's possible. He's been cursed. He's grown you, used to it. If you look at him in his undead state, he looks like the oldest monkey. Yeah, they do have that little old man look. Yeah. Ancient man look. But that's possible, right? It is. Think about that. He could actually be carrying on this curse. Maybe Barbosa didn't realize that there were only 881 pieces in there because that monkey had had one all this time. Oh, yeah. And then he finally got it, and then they put it back and into the curse. And then the monkey's like, screw that. This made me give my medallion back. I got to go get me a new one. You know, he's a, he was attracted to it. Yeah. He really he had liked the gold. obsession he, with it. That's right. So that's yeah. what I'm wondering. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the case. Yeah. It's definitely something to think about. And maybe I'll have to do a little more work on that to see if I can find any flaws in that particular theory to see if. There's a story or behind the scenes or expanded universe stuff of where Jack the Monkey actually came from. Yeah. But the Pirates Wikia didn't really say. Huh. So it's possible. We also get a little inside baseball thing happening with the movies that popped up here in the credits. And it might be interesting to share. I don't know. You guys can be the judge on that. And I can't guarantee it, though. But I found it interesting because it was something that just caught my eye in the credits, mostly because of the name. 
Besides Disney Enterprises and Jerry Bruckheimer Inc., there is another corporate entity called First Mate Productions that gets this kind of copyright billing. And I mentioned that in the opener. First Mate Productions. Which caught my eye because of the maritime connotation with First Mate. First Mate Productions, the Uh First Mate kind of deal. What's interesting is that studios may often buy a finished product from a producer. And these deals are often negotiated before a film completes and payments are made on delivery. These types of agreements, sometimes called negative pickup agreements, are good for producers because they keep them in business and also independent, where they're not attached to a studio. The independent company still bears the risk that a project will not be completed or will incur serious financial loss. So to reduce risk and enhance control, independent producers began to form LLCs and inks or corporations around productions. Oh, really? So hence, the formation of First Mate Productions. It's specifically for Curse of the Black Pearl. It's like Curse of the Black Pearl's corporation is First Mate Productions. Well, that's That's the company. That's one of them. And that's why it's in the purposes of the UK copyrighted. Yeah. First Mate Productions. But this just doesn't end here. And the whole idea about them filming these LLCs or inks or corporations around movies shows up throughout all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And it's not First Mate Productions because they create a new one for each film. So, Dead Man's Chest and At World's End, because they were both filmed at the same time and were intertwined, say, with budgets and that kind of stuff, has its corporation as Second Mate Productions. It's the second Uh, one in the film franchise, if you will, even though it does include second and third. Yeah. On Stranger Tides comes back with, can you take a guess? It's the fourth film. Oh, fourth. Fourth film. Oh, well, I figured it's the second. I know, but it's the fourth film. Fourth Mate Productions. Thank you, Fourth Mate Productions. And yes, Dead Men Tell No Tales with... Fifth Mate Productions. You are on a roll today. You're on fire. <laughs> you're almost an Inferno artist. Almost. You're almost there. So there you go. Now you're in the know and see that huh. they form these things around it. So Jerry Bruckheimer then forms these companies... And then is able to, say, sell them to Disney Studios and is able to use those to help reduce any loss and all that kind of stuff. Huh. Take on the risk. Interesting. Shelters himself, if you will. Yes. So I thought that was pretty interesting because I thought, wow, First Mate Productions, what is that? Yeah. I thought, that's a quinky dink. <laughs> they just happened to find the right guys to come along and say, hey, we're doing the seafaring adventure. And our <laughs> name is First Mate Productions. So I had to check in it. And that's what I found out. So I thought that was pretty cool. Logos, because it's time for logos. We get some logos here. Jerry Bruckheimer Films logo. And during Mr. Bruckheimer's long partnership with Don Simpson, and he died in 1996, the team used a logo that featured dual lightning strikes converging on a point, much as the two producers did. So it's like they were two producers coming and converging on a single movie or an idea. Uh So their logo would have two lightning strikes converging on a single point. Kind of that idea. But the new logo that we see in this movie, this Jerry Bruckheimer logo, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with it, yeah. Especially as Pirates of the Caribbean fans, you better be familiar with it. The new logo, because it was new at the time of Curse of the Black Pearl, say, but it's not new now, opens on a lonely road. And this happens to be a favorite image among those who make movies for some reason. The lonely road, the lonely highway. There's even songs about it, right? Artists, yeah. the lonely highway, that kind of stuff. The sky is troubled. Lightning hits a barren tree, which then suddenly sprouts foliage. So the bolt, and this is according to Mr. Bruckheimer... Jerry, as I call him, stands for the power of an idea, an apt image, as he is known for concept-driven films like getting back to his roots and stuff, Top Gun, some of the early films. As for the tree, it is modeled on a real oak. And he said, 
I have a property in Kentucky with 300-year-old oak trees. Mr. Bruckheimer explained he photographed one of them and turned the work over to DreamQuest Images, which was then creating visual effects for Con Air. And then they came up with the logo, and so that's how it all came together. So it has his inspiration of the lonely road for artists, the trees from his property, and then the lightning strike for those ideas and getting back to the roots of when he had a partner. Well, that's so there you go. Cool. Jerry Bruckheimer that's Films logo. That's creative, actually. That's right. And they're all animated logos now, yeah. so that's what makes it fun. Walt Disney Pictures logo. So in 1995, the Walt Disney Company introduced its most well-known logo, and that's the famous Cinderella castle with an arc line overhead. Yeah. You've probably seen it. Of course Maybe I have. Maybe you've seen it if you're a fan of Disney films. Heather isn't, but most no. people out there are. This logo is meant to evoke a sense of fantasy and imagination, which makes sense. Yeah. The castle conjures up dreams of excitement and romance is an irresistible draw to children all over the world and adults. Adults, yes. The new image is also a more pleasing catch to the eye, if you will, both online and then offline, meaning that it's available to a wider audience. It was accompanied with the studio's name and underscored by When You Wish Upon a Star. Mm -hmm. Starting in 2000, live-action movies from Disney featured a slight variation of this 1995 logo that was white, basically. Yeah. And it had a blue background. But this one has a golden glow, which we the one we see in this particular film, this the ending here in these credits. But besides that, it's similar to the blue version because there's this star, this animated star now that travels across the original path of that arc that followed in the original 1995 logo. Yeah. And even though it's silent, because there's no music to it or uh -huh. anything like that, it does impart that same idea of when you wish upon a star because it's kind of this idea that the star is traveling, right. a shooting star, and you're wishing upon a shooting star. Yeah. And this is the one we see here, obviously. So when you wish upon a star has become an icon of the Walt Disney Company. In the 1950s and 60s, Walt Disney used the song in the opening sequences of all editions of the Walt Disney Anthology television series. It has also been used to accompany the Walt Disney Pictures opening logos, including the present-day logo, and it's been used since the 80s. And the ships of the Disney Cruise Line used the first seven notes of the song's melody as their horn signals. Oh, seriously? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Not only that, there's a nod to Pirates of the Caribbean with the cruise ship blasting a few notes from A Pirate's Life for Me. Let's hear it. <laughs> Additionally, many productions at Disney theme parks, particularly during their fireworks shows and parades, use the song as well. Yeah. I mean, you've, it's ubiquitous when you wish upon a star at yeah. Disney or Disneyland. So there you go. I thought that was an appropriate end to the movie to end... The credits in season one with this idea of wishing upon a star. No blood, no hangings, or walking the plank, or any of that stuff. Just a little Disney nostalgia that I think everyone in the audience can relate to and has a fond memory of. Whether it's the movies, the Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride, or just any of the Disney theme parks. I thought that was an appropriate kind of end to the credits. The end of the movie. It is very appropriate. Right? When you yeah. wish upon a star. Yeah. All your dreams can come true. You could become a pirate. Exactly. Boom, Elizabeth did. Nice. Oh, Bringing that yeah. back. Bookended it. High five, Oops. buddy. We just did a virtual high five in the studio, even though we're right here. Wouldn't it be an air high five? An air high five, yeah. Thank you. Not a virtual. We actually virtual. physically did it. For them, it's virtual. But it was for us an air high five. I actually tried to connect, but Heather missed. So therefore, it became an air high five. You can't even come close. 
don't lie to the audience. It's not nice. And the reason I'm kind of ending things a little bit early on the chat with the credits and the breakdown is because we do have some thanks to say. Some thanks to all the listeners for making this show a great success during season one. Said to the listeners and to myself, obviously. I gave myself a gold star. You just can't see it. (laughs) says, when I wish upon a star, my dreams will come true. I have a whole book of gold stars, though. Yeah, but they don't say anything, though. And those are Starbucks stars anyways, just because you're a Starbucks addict. Mine are worse stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. And I can't say enough to everyone out there. Thanks for hanging with us as we figured out our groove and tweaked the show. And again, I really can't thank everyone enough for leaving us a review on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else that they've done that. So especially, thanks so much for helping us out and leaving your reviews. It really, especially since we went back and listened to the old, the first episodes. Yeah, they're troopers. <laughs> they're real troopers. You got they're, that right. <laughs> they're there for the long haul. They were really helping things out. They're Pirates of the Caribbean fans, lovers, and they wanted to make sure that we uh, had a leg up. They're all Those newbies really yeah. need our help, so we'll jump in and help them. So we do appreciate that. And... The reviews are really valuable for the show and it's ranking. It helps people find us and so we don't get lost in the ether of podcasts on there. So we really do appreciate it. If you would like to leave a review, please do so. We'd appreciate that five-star rating. Whether you leave a written review or just hit the five stars, all of that really does help us. And like I said, we really do appreciate it. And thanks to all the listeners out there. We're definitely looking forward to the expansion of the show into more things Pirates and Pirates of the Caribbean, tackling all kinds of stuff and topics starting in September, as I mentioned, and then coming back to analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Dead Man's Chest one blimey minute at a time on November 6th. So we will still be hanging around with everyone, just not daily until November. It'll be like Tortuga around here. During our month off in August. That it will. Be partying and gunshots. And definitely there'll be slapping. So they'll be like, why'd you say that? Whoosh. I'll be getting slapped. There'll be all kinds of stuff going on. I also have some special shout outs to make. The first is to Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer at Star Wars Minute. The pioneers and inspiration for our show. And so many other Movies by Minutes podcast. You can check them out at MoviesByMinutes.com. And cheers to the entire Minute Makers and Listeners Facebook community. Who are always willing to help each other out. There are so many now, it's crazy to thank everyone. So I should make a point to somehow acknowledge everyone's show, but I don't know if that's humanly possible anymore without just having a list that goes on forever. And people are like, why is he just reading this list? And that'd be crazy. Maybe I'll come up with something. I don't know. Thanks to Pele Media, Brady, Kyle, and Chris for just being plain awesome. Having great podcasts and, of course, featuring us on a number of their episodes. And we had a blast doing that. So you can always check that out at GooniesMinute.com and their Patreon.com slash Pele Media, they have some good stuff out there. And of course, I have to thank a few super contributors. Those regulars contacting the show with great thoughts and conversations. Serving as our movie preview liaisons. Posting in our Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group and on Twitter. And willing to step up to the mic. Yeah, all you regulars who interact with us all the time. So I just wanted to give a special shout out to everybody there. Adam Lieberg Johnson. Cynthia Ann Hurt. Spencer Barron, I got my eye on you. The battle's to come. <laughs> I send you to the deep. Daniel Hosington MacArthur, Caitlin Maiklin, Cassandra Norman from Lord of the Rings Minute, Carson and Andrew from Slapdash Scripts, Pirates of the Silver Realm, Super Movies by Minute podcast listener Doug Barbeau, John and Connie Artis, Harry Potter Minutes Gary Roby, Dueling Genre Productions Scott Corelli, and I'm probably missing someone out there, and I'm sure I'll get the pirate evil eye for that. But hey, it's a list. I'm bound to forget some people on that. 
Yeah, it wouldn't be a proper list if I didn't forget some people out there. (laughs) Those are the most notable people, the ones that you forget. Wow. Got to give them a nod because if we forgot them, we want to keep in their good graces. So we'll just give them that bone. So that's officially what I have for season one. Do you have anything to add? No, I don't. Well, it's been a wonderful season and we've learned a heck of a lot about Pirates of the Caribbean. Exactly. And I can't wait till next season. Yeah, we'll be back next season, as we said. And we'll be having fun with that. So that's it. We'll be back in September with weekly or maybe bi-weekly Pirates of the Caribbean episodes. General discussions and episodes, depending on how they're received. Or how much party we're doing. Yeah, exactly. And then returning with daily episodes and minute breakdowns on November 6th with all of the fanfare. Perhaps a new intro, music ensemble, and minute one of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, you guys know what to do. Let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. And of course, we gotta go out Captain Blood style. Hit it, Captain Blood. Many years have passed now since Gil McGee was killed. Captain Blood took over the ship, seeking adventure and thrills. The curse has taken them to their graves, but they cannot die. No sleep is their punishment till the end of time. And the ship sails on, back into beyond, over again. When I sing my song, this is my home. Until the end, centuries across the sea, it's not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood, on and on eternally. When the life of piracy, hail the curse of Gil Maggie and hail Heather, Captain Blood. Heather, Piney, she always disappears right after the show. Get me my grog, she says. Probably at the Faithful Bride Tavern. Again. Heather, are you in there? Bring me my grog, you scurvy barkeep. Mother's love, what are you doing in here? You always take off before telling everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. So get on with it, Savvy. I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. That means no. I know what it means. It means you're getting another rum, and I'm thanking the listeners. Thanks for listening, scallywags. You like the show? Give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we'd greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might feature your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. Now get out of here, you filthy bilge rats. Oh.